millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. I'm Steve Hall. Hope you're all doing well. We're about to bring you some of the best clips from our Red Men Plus content over the last week or so. Say it all the time. If you want these shows in full in your podcast app or indeed on video as well, simply head on over to redmenplus.com. If you sign up from as little as £6.99 a month, you'll get access to all of these amazing shows in full directly in your podcast feeds or in video forms on our website. If, by the way, if you're listening on Spotify and you don't want to sign up through us and you want to go directly through Spotify, absolutely fine. Just search for Red Men Plus Podcasts on your app. You can pay them directly, sign up through them. And and you'll get all this content in audio form as well. Now, you don't get access to the website and the video stuff, but because you're paying Spotify directly, you will get those podcasts in your Spotify feed as well. Right then, let's make a start. This week's first show was the final word show. I was delighted to be joined by Ian Young and by the legend himself, Mr. John Machen, to have a big old chat about Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0. In general, that's four games, 10 from 12, um, I think most people would have shook hands on that if you'd offer, given that we had to go to Stamford Bridge and that we had to go to Newcastle. And then you consider two of those games have been played with, well, 10 men for half against Bournemouth and 80-odd, 70-odd minutes against Newcastle. I think we're all feeling really, really positive about the Reds now. This time last year, we were on five points. Yeah, we just battled Bournemouth 9-0 and we hoped that we turned the corner. Turned out we hadn't. We just we, we, we turned into a brick wall, basically. It feels a lot more positive this time around. I think everyone's in a pretty good place. I'll be honest with you, I was ex- I was getting ready for a slog this season, to be honest with you, when, the way things were going through the summer. I think two things have happened in the past week that's paired everyone up. I think that Newcastle result, I think because we once Trent went off, I think a lot of us thought that game was done then because Newcastle are a really, really good team. Uh, sorry, Virgil. once Fraser went off, I think we all thought that game was over to come back, get that 2 1, and then getting Gravenberg through the door this week. It's perked all the fans up, so I'm pretty sure it's perked the squad up and the players up. So I, I'm, I'm good to the international breaks here. I, I think it's just coming at the wrong time for Liverpool because I think we were building up momentum on the pitch. Suppose, though, John, the, the good news is, like I say, there are a couple of lads with niggles and stuff, yeah. and, and you might be able to get them back. We'll find out where Canate is. He's just part of the French squad. But Liverpool have got... What Jürgen even said in the four, four games of the pre-season, I think 10, 12 would have been amazing, but only City have got 12 so far, and yeah, they're different. And they, their fixtures, to be fair, have been a little bit more kind. You know, They, they didn't have to play Newcastle away. They had, they had them and stuff like that, but... Arsenal have had a decent start, West Ham, Tottenham, but like you, you throw the Reds in there as well with, with very difficult fixtures, I think. You know, 10, 10 from 12, the new signings all settling in, looking good. A lot of the old rear guards um, looking a bit back towards being themselves. Is it as simple as what you mentioned before, like the, the, the revamp of the midfield and we started the show with it? It feels like it's made everyone's job a lot easier. And all of a sudden, so Gomez and Matthew have got less to do. You know, they're not constantly getting I mean, around things like that. It isn't just... The midfield, it, it it pervades the whole team, doesn't it? The whole there's a change of style, there's a change of personnel, change of energy, and it seems to have done the trick. And you know, last last year hopefully will now just be a little blip. I suppose you know? as well. We were talking about this at the end of last season. It's been a long time touch with since Liverpool lost. You know, in like the, the, fifteen. Yeah, they do. And but we're all desperate for that like magical miracle Champions League run that Liverpool have had to go and do. That's a win every game, and that's really tough to do. But I, I, I remember sitting here with like eight, nine, ten games to go last season. Like, yeah, even if we don't get it, it will be important to carry sort of carry on some good feeling and some momentum into this season. And maybe we're feeling the benefits of that as well. 
it was a difficult one at Chelsea that started well and then kind of fell away a little bit. But since then, you know, they've 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 shown a lot of character, which was questioned last year. I do think it just feels like the morale's high. Maybe it's a, a combination of new faces. They feel like a happy on a good bunch, run. Don't yeah, they? yeah. Do you feel like momentum? But do you feel like a I don't know, the, the, the good vibes have carried through from I that I think run. Klopp looks refreshed. I think Klopp was ready for this season. I think Klopp yeah. really looked like he's well up for it. When you see him at the end of the Newcastle game, he was like, yeah, that, that was Klopp. When he was standing there and he was doing that fist pump, that was all about, that was all, that was that was the Klopp we love. And I, think, I think he's making a determined effort to be calmer, you know, because of all the stuff. Getting about, booked and well, yeah. And I, I think that might well change his perspective, you know. You know, having a much calmer view of what's going on around it. Well, again, we do. I mean, would anyone? No one can be disappointed with ten from twelve. No. Surely, we do. No, I'm really thrilled. I mean, and and I look at the other teams with ten, and I still see us as the challengers. You know, I I do think last year was a, a strange one, but this year I think we're back there, and I think City will be looking over their shoulders at us, no, not necessarily Tottenham or Arsenal. Actually, if the Prince really Tottenham and Arsenal have been very. Again, equally as good, Ian, but like it does, it does feel a little bit like this. I've seen it post star scenes like this before, and again, touch wood, it usually goes well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, you can sense, but you can sense there's more to come. You know what I mean? We, we, you can sense there's a lot there, and I know sometimes when you get like last minute winners, it, I remember Arsenal at the end of the last scene, you're going, it feels like they're, they're on, you know, paper over cracks a little bit. Liverpool's last minute winner was with ten men away from home. Like that's a different thing. I, I wonder if we look back at that Newcastle result in four or five, six weeks' time. I just go, wow, that was the that was the confidence lifted and that was the one that really cemented what they're gonna go on to do here. Yeah. I think the other thing that Liverpool have got that Man I think only Man City have got is Liverpool have got it in to go on a massive run. We can go 15, 20 games on beating Liverpool have shown that over the past five or six years. It's something that Liverpool can the, do. I so. mean you've got to though, haven't you? If you have wanna have any chance of winning the title, you've got to go unbeaten for as long as possible because City are just relentless. That's why that fifteen games unbeaten is so important. Because it just breeds this mentality of we don't get beat, we don't lose football matches, because you can't afford to. Well, it, tell, it tells you our mentality right now as well that we're talking about challenging City for the for the league. If you'd have asked me that three, four weeks ago, whether well, we need to get in top four, we need to make sure we're back in the Champions League. The fact we've been talking about challenging City and taking them possibly for the Champions League charge just shows the mentality of us now as a fan base and of probably the players. I suppose as well. This time last year, like I know we just battered Bournemouth, but like you could sense someone wasn't right. You know, again, there's no bad vibes here. John, like listen, it could unravel. It could unravel, but there's there's been no signs of it yet. The squad might get stretched. The injury thing might, the injury bug might bite. Whatever it is, you might regret. Yeah, not yeah, I mean, you've got but, tough games coming up, haven't you? I mean, City's not that far away, and you've got West Ham, who are doing well. Got themselves a decent team there now, so it's you know it's not easy, but they're more frightened of paying us than we are of them. But well, look at the look at the three players teams we've just played there: Aston Villa, Chelsea, and Newcastle. Everybody's looking at them fixtures, going, "They're tough. They're the three. They're three tough fixtures." Them, and we've come out of them fairly unscathed. Yeah, we have, and I suppose as well, like this time again, it's half back in last year. You could see the problems in the team. Yeah. You could see the legs were going. You could see that the, 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 there was massive issues. There's been not an year that's been massively concerning to me. I think the the sloppiness of the goals against Bournemouth and Newcastle are things you can iron out. Yeah. They're just individual errors. That that, that that isn't systematic or like legs going. Early season mistakes. I yeah, and, and but there's no like I don't know what the word is. Like you're not going. Oh my god! Like Fabinho's legs have gone. Like you know, you're looking at it going. You can see the signs of a really good team, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can do, and you're only you're only going to get better because they're going to learn how to play with each other more than Liverpool generally get better as the season goes on. So if we're not playing our best now, I can't wait until we are. And it's not like we've got eleven players who, if you get them on the pitch, we win football matches. We've got a really good squad there. You know, yeah, like you can tell, you see, you know, bringing Jota on, bringing Gappo, you get to bring Harvey oh, yeah, on. You've got add Ryan Gravenberg into this mix. I mean. Who knows whatever happens with Karate and Endo and Tiago, came yeah. on had a little, lovely little cameo again. You know, I love about Endo to finish on him. Actually, I love how he lets the ball run across him. You know, yeah. I, I think it, that'll cut that'll You know, in Liverpool are under the cosh a little bit. He's got he's certainly got that in him as well, and we'll see more of him. But yeah, all in told, we're all feeling very very good, and as we should as well. The sun was shining, and Liverpool won three 0 
Yeah, that was really, really fun. Thanks to Ian and thanks to John for coming in. I'm sure they enjoyed coming and talking about the Reds having a comprehensive victory for once. It hasn't always been the case over the last 12 months or so, that is for sure. Right then, the final episode of the Biased Transfer Podcast also aired on Monday. It was Paul, it was me, it was Dan and it was Chloe. This show will be returning to the Biased Football Podcast next week now that the transfer window is closed. But yeah, check out the final thing we had to say on the Biased Transfer podcast let's talk manchester united we're going to do a lot of manchester united on the show because we'll talk about the, the the arsenal game at the in, in the back end of the show but they finished that game having just completed a transfer window where they spent a, a, a ludicrous sum on a guy who i've said it plenty of times before scored less than double figures goals in Serie A last season up front looks good looks all right quite a promising yeah. little cameo Fine. he got bullied <laughs> um they spent fifty million pounds on a goalkeeper. He might be crap. And they ended <laughs> the game with Harry Maguire Johnny and Johnny Evans, Evans at centre half, ladies and gentlemen. 2018-19. What year is it again? Leicester's Leicester's twenty eighteen nineteen defensive partnership. I, someone te- someone text me someone text me the other day saying, um, "Find your Manchester United centre back pairing." Um, your your second best defender from 2011-12 and the worst centre back at your club now. And that's how you'd end up with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans. Like, that's <laughs> for Liverpool, it might be something like, I don't know, like Daniel Agger, like fucking Joe Gomez or something, bless Joe, might not be him. But you know what I mean? Like, it's mad, you're right. It feels like, how's that, how's that allowed to happen? I get listen, Varane's injured and Martinez was injured. Mm. He took Lindelof off, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He did, was he yeah. injured yeah. or was he just... Yeah. I actually don't know that. I took him off towards the end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a bit crap as well. But yeah, yeah. you are, <laughs> it is really funny. And go back. I think that goalie might be rubbish. No, he is. Is he fifty million pounds better than David Dyer? No, no, that, no, he's not. I, I mean, suppose the wage thing is different. Do you know David what? Sorry, do you know what he is? Where they've gone wrong with this is that we because you and I still had a year and a half of battling on the Mignolet carriers thing, and I would still contend that like Mignolet was probably it was just a, a much safer pair of hands because there was no expectations on him because he, he was he wasn't a great passer, but everyone knew good shots, not a good penalty saver. Carius was a better stylistic fit, but he but he, he wasn't mi- a miles better goalie. But then we only paid like seven million pounds for him, so he was a nice palate cleanser. But here's how we're gonna play. But he's not very good. He's not he's not a brilliant goalie. And then when you get Allison in, well, everyone know you know you, you transition out of that. <laughs> United, what I said, what's United's style of play really? You know, they, they do a bit of passing, but are they are they possession based? Are they ticky tacker? Are they a gag impression side? He, he, he will be, yeah, exactly. But you don't need him necessarily to be, unless he's going to start doing the Allison thing and getting assists, which what once a season, hmm. twice a season, does that maybe happen? When you've got Harry Maguire. And Johnny Evans finishing games of football for you, you've got no right to spend fifty million pounds on it's a goalie there, who's not that much better. I agree, but then you know if you take okay. if you take most teams' first three centre halves out, they might be struggling a little but, bit. But yeah, but if that was always it, would be. I don't. But I would contend. Sorry, matter, it? You, you, you're saying th- who's third? What Lindelof? <laughs> that he's he's part of the problem. You might. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, if yeah. you t- okay, let me do it this way. If, if I just said, and they ended the game with Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, it, my point would be would be abs- almost identical. I know Johnny Evans is actually quite a good centre half. He's proven he's yeah, yeah, well, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it's it's mental. Rafa Varane's made the fucking paper. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And Lissandro Martinez, as much as they adore him, he is half a centre half. Um, you know he is. He's that Romero at Spurs. Where their fans are quite insistent that he's good, and every other team wants you to play him against them. Cause he, <laughs> yeah, because he's really good to give you one. Yeah, you know, yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll do something. Yeah, sure yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, their their spending's baffling. Like, really, <laughs> everything they do is baffling. That, that football club is mental. Well, yeah, look, we had a bit of thing where we needed certain types of players, and sometimes you get ones in before the other, so you don't get to do it in chronologically the order of importance. So, you know, you might need number one, mostly, but sometimes things happen. But it felt like Man United's whole business, it was like they got... Mount comes in, and it felt like they were so chuffed that they managed to beat Liverpool to Mount that they sat back and had a big fucking party about it and forgot to to realise that the thing that team needed... More than anything else, was a proven twenty to thirty goal a season centre forward. That was yeah. like 
if you want to ta- if you want to challenge for the title, if you want to go from third in the Premier League to be a, an absolute contender. Yeah. That's what you need to get. And then as we said, you need a you need a, then the midfield and the everything. You need lots of stuff, but to get Mason Mount for sixty million quid, yeah. And then to only get like Amrabat on loan at the end of the at the end of the window. And to get, bring Johnny Evans back on a free, and, and Rasmus got seventy-two million pounds. If they'd have kept, if they'd have kept uh, David Hay in goal and got Kane instead of Hoyland, that'd have been much better for them. Yes, yes. But, but much, would, much would, would, better. Would Kane have went? Would they have sold him? I, I get the David Hay thing. He's on three hundred. No, we can't, know, Steve. But also, yeah. we're trying to bash Manchester United. I'm just honest, being honest. I, I'm in. Like, I said it from day one. An honest crap. Don't He's get me. Crap. Don't get me wrong. I'm in. I'm, I'm all over this. I think Mount a good signing, and I think. But issue, why though? Because Ericsson and Fernandez are already there. Be, because they can't. Well, Kiss Nelson looks like his legs might have gone a little but bit. But in terms of style, in terms of what they need, Mount was not top of that priority. I think list. they needed legs. They look slow. Do you know what the issue I think they've got is I don't think they self scouted very well. The, you mentioned before the lads who have stayed. Casemiro looks like Fabinho last year. He, mm. he is. He's, yeah. I don't know if he's finished or he's yeah. just had a really good summer. But, <laughs> but he, Judging by how round his face is, yeah. I'm going to say it's that. Yeah. And. That you know they're still trying out Anthony Martial. Wait, why is he, how is he still playing Man United? <laughs> I don't know, but that's, that's Harry exactly. Maguire still there. They couldn't get rid of him. They tried to get rid of Maguire. They tried to get rid of McTominay, and unfortunately, for, oh, it's really for, for them. But I don't know if you agree. Like because they give them such ludicrous contracts in the yeah. first place. Why is Harry Maguire going to go to West Ham yeah. and take half the dough? No, exactly. You could just say I'm on two hundred grand a week. No, it's it's, yeah. La, it's Lazar Markovic syndrome. You know, it's like yeah. why I'm never gonna. I'm never. Everyone, my reputation is in the fucking mud. And also, Maguire's what thirty now, so or twenty nine. He's 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 around there anyway. He's certainly not got like he's not. He's at his peak. He's not getting. He's not getting any better. You could go and have a. You go to West Ham and have a, a good couple of years, maybe repair your reputation. But you're dead right. He's never gonna be at a Champions League club again. No. So. And that move, so that move, he's going to be in, he's going to be in and around the England squad for the next four years at least. So we might as well wait and get another year of three hundred grand a week or whatever You've the fuck. So got an eighty mil uh, player on the right hand side who just fucking goes in circles every so often, and that's about all he does. Um, yeah. But the, but yeah, so... but the whole but this is the thing, Chloe. The whole Steve's point and the, all of our points are right about mm-hmm. United. They've been so badly mismanaged for so many years. They they behave. Nobody's told them they're not run by Alex Ferguson in the mid two thousands anymore or the early two thousands. So they they're throwing contracts out for lads who don't deserve them on stupid wages, getting no hunger out of it. And and it's I know Sancho's had his own issues and I don't really want to go into the mental health thing and all that too much on that, but they keep buying the wrong footballers. Mm-hmm. For the for the, uh, for the wrong reasons. Ronaldo was another one. Yeah, they buy they buy on reputation, not on what they're at, not on the person and how they're mm. going to fit and how they're going to gel. So that's how they end up with all these lads. Like I mean, Casemiro seemed an inspired move last year, but Real Madrid don't let for boss footballers go. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't. Not by you know. Don't you? There's a reason Karen Benzema stuck around for as long as he as long as he did, and Marcello stuck around. You know, mm. beyond it's it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. But they've I mean, they've club Anthony, yeah, Sancho, yeah, Paddy Maguire, McTominay, Wan Bissaka. Mm. they think Adam Wan Bissaka is like the second coming again. They've decided he's good again all of a sudden. Oh, it's. It's and the lack of self awareness. And they're never sale anymore. He was a football club by all accounts, so that's a nice little uh, I think the manager topper. Might, I think the manager might be a prick as well. Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? But the, the, ah, how long ago? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sergio Regulon on, on loan on the down deadline <laughs> day, by the way. Well, that, that Luke Shaw injured, so they had to do yeah, But they also it. sold. Did they sell Tellers in the end? Yeah. Yeah, they sold yeah. Tellers on that, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. Oh, did that near Langer go and loan? So and he's, and he's, he's tearing it up over nothing. It's a very strange run club, but the fact that they had to go and get Amrabat on loan, and listen, he was linked with Liverpool, and we, I think we'd have all probably took him. Yeah, but that's because they re, I think they realised it's a, it's not as bad as Arthur Mello, where because at least Amrabat has played football recently. But it was it was a bit like, oh my god, what's why, happened to Casemiro? Why, why is no? It goes back to my point on Amrabat because obviously we had these quite heated conversations happening online about him. Like, go and get him, go and get him, go on him. He must be shit. Anyone want to? I mean, the, he, he can't be good, 
because it was it's been known for a year that you could get him for thirty million quid. Yeah, that's true. only Fulham wanted them in a in a market where all DMs were costing fifty to sixty upwards of. Mm. Why no one pushed the and why obviously Man United are skint, aren't they? Which is the double double edged sword to all of this. Like, but anyway, yeah, but fine, hilarious. Really, really enjoyed doing those transfer podcasts. Listen, that show, it's pretty much the same, isn't it? It's going to have a different name because we're going to be talking more about actual football matches than anything else. But yeah, that will be back next week as the Biased Football Podcast. Right then, moving on Tuesday morning, Jano Inside Time. It was me again. It's a very me-heavy show, this, and I'm unapologetic for it. I'm enjoying the fact that it's, it's plenty of me. I was away last week, so maybe I'm just compensating for that. But yeah, I had Neil Jones in once again, and we had a chat about Ryan Gravenberg and, of course... The decision he's made to pull out of the Netherlands under 21 squad, the fallout from that. Yeah, so here's what Neil had to say on that bit of news. Right then, let's speak about players with Dortmund International duty. Got another question about Ryan Gravenberch. This one's from Miles in the Discord. Neil, any thoughts on Gravenberch being blasted by the national team? <laughs> wanting to stay and work on himself at Liverpool after being called up for the under 21s. Yeah, um, so for those who might not be aware, I spoke about the actually, I was, I was giving praise to the Netherlands. I was saying, oh, fair play to the Netherlands. They've let, <laughs> they let Ryan Gravenberch withdraw because yeah. he wants to get his life in order. Basically, he's just moved. It turns out, no, they're not happy with them at all. Ronald Koeman, obviously the first team manager. Uh, Michael Rise was the Netherlands under-21 assistant. They both basically had a go at Ryan Gravenberg. He withdrew from doing the 21s. Like he said, he wants to focus on settling at Liverpool. I'm guessing that means at the AXA, but also just in Liverpool. Like, got to get his life in order. But that's, he has been criticised now by two prominent members of the Netherlands yeah. set-up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I suppose from a Liverpool point of view, it's... Yeah. So what? You know that, that he's made that decision himself. That listen, if Ryan Gravenberg goes and delivers his potential at Liverpool, I'm pretty sure that criticism of the Netherlands camp will will, will fade, and they'll have him in the squad. You know, it's down to him, isn't it? So I, I think it's a very fair decision of his to, to to make that. You know, maybe a bit bold. Some players don't, and I saw Reisiger's really went down the sort of patriotism line in the end and was saying, you know, that's an honour to represent your country and, you know, it's not a sort of something that you, you should give up lightly. I think from Gravenberg's point of view, look, I can see exactly why he would do it. He, he hasn't he hasn't played football regularly, you know, for a year. He's going to a new club where he knows he's got a battle on his hands to get in the side and he's got something to prove. Club have paid a lot of money, shown, shown a fair bit of faith in him to sign him I think he why wouldn't he want to have a week's training before he goes into you know making his debut at Wolves why wouldn't he want to get to know the city the whatever wherever he's going to live get himself settled get his get his you know his his family moved over from from Germany or from Holland <sighs> yeah he might he might have also looked a little bit and said I'm still in the under 21s you know like I'm I'm you know I'm I play for Bayern Munich and Liverpool and I'm still in the under 21s you know you know what am I getting out of that you know I think a few people were sort of I I was one of them when I saw that he was in, in the under 21s in the summer in the in the in the Euros I thought that was really yeah you know I thought he was I thought he moved past that level but well, he has he's played double digit caps with well yeah yeah and, you know he, he he was disappointed not to be in the World Cup squad last year but look. He won't have taken that lightly. Whether it, whether it comes and affects him further down the line will remain to be seen. But I think my my sort of feeling on it would be that he, he wants to give himself the best possible chance of playing really well for Liverpool. And if he does that, then he'll be back in the, the Netherlands squad before too long, you know. And it's uh, he might have to take a bit of short term criticism, but I think the long term aim of it is pretty pretty solid and good on him. I think a lot of Liverpool fans, as well as up. So Paul was definitely delighted with it, wasn't he? Mm. His, his reply was, uh, "Love this" in capital letters when when I, I put the tweet out. So mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of Liverpool fans are pretty enamoured by that that decision. That you know he's gonna really give himself the best possible chance of hitting the ground running. And with all due respect, like they're playing North Macedonian under twenty ones. I think they've got friendly games. I was like, I, yeah, he's he is twenty one. He's he's turned twenty one. Uh, in May, so he, he's he's probably looking at it going, yeah, they're probably going to qualify anyway. I, yeah. you're, you're right. I've got eyes on the Netherlands first team. If, you know, my guess is if he'd been called up to the Netherlands first team squad for their games, yeah. it, it might be a different conversation. But yeah, again, I understand a little bit. I think I'll be honest. I don't know what what Ronald Coleman's got to do with it. He's not the man. He's he's the national manager. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it just feels like at times, really, there's just an ease to pile on situations when actually, if you if you if you look at it logically. 
without and like you said, take away the pictures and stuff aside because that can always cloud people's judgment. It makes sense. It's probably better for the Netherlands that Ryan Gavinberg is completely fully settled in Liverpool yeah. and getting ready to play rather than playing a, a, a random game against North Macedonia. With all due respect, yeah, from definitely from his point of view. Look, you know, you don't you don't know his feelings on playing for the Netherlands. It could it could be. Yeah, he's not that bothered, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, it could be. I, I, I would imagine it probably isn't. But I think, like you say, from the Liverpool angle or from from his angle with regard to Liverpool, I don't think there's anything to sort of be too critical of. You know, he's, he's joining a new club after a disappointing twelve months. Imagine you go away with the under twenty ones and pick up a, an injury, and it's two weeks, four weeks, and then you, you suddenly, you know, you you snookered. Going into your new club, it takes you six months to come, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you're not even getting picked for the, the Netherlands under 21s. You know they'll they'll they'd soon he'd soon pay the price for that if he wasn't playing for Liverpool or he wasn't ready to perform. So I think the fact that he's trying to give himself that chance, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too critical of him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cheers to Neil for that one. He'll be back next week. And yeah, I'll be honest, going forwards now, this is a very heavy Ryan Gravenberg show. Liverpool's latest sign, and we want to get as much information as we could. And when we want that, we get Dan Club on the case. And the first person Dan went to speak to was Papi Mento. Ajax finally watched the rise of Ryan Gravenberg at his club. So yeah, here's what they had to say about Liverpool's latest signing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Red Men TV and your latest edition of Transfer Insight. My name is Dan Club. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the brilliant and the ever smiling Papi Mento from We Talk Ajax. How are we, mate? You okay? Oh, great, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm actually pretty excited to talk about Kramberg today. So, uh, yeah, that, that got me smiling. It's not because of Ajax and how we're doing, but more about the prospect of Kramberg playing again. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. And it's one of them where we've been waiting for this transfer for some time. Now, Liverpool wanted him when he was at Ajax, of course. He obviously makes that move to Bayern Munich, but we'll talk about it in a bit more detail. But yeah, let's get into it. You've obviously seen a lot of Van Gravenberg. You came through the famous academy at Ajax. When did you first see him and what were your first impressions of him as a player? Uh, he was actually the youngest to make his debut for Ajax, still. And um, if you think about it, he's only 21. When Frankie de Jong left after our marvelous season in 1819, uh, he picked up actually the space uh, of Frankie de Jong. He would he would uh, pick up the ball. He would be the the link between attack and defense. Um, and he started playing actually all the matches and. A lot of Ajax fans were disappointed that he left because the only reason we, we all thought it was too early and we thought going to Bayern would put him on the bench, would not give him enough minutes uh, minutes to get enough 
um, matches in his feet to, to get better, you know, and he was still young. If you look now at his age, he's still 21. I mean, he has European uh, Europa League experience, Champions League experience, Eredivisie experience. And now with Bayern, I must say, I haven't followed Bayern a lot. I know he's been on the bench a lot, so I don't know the growth in that. But uh, at Ajax, he was already very uh, superb, I mean, on the on the midfield. Uh, of course, he does have some negatives. All players do, uh, do but he's he's a great player for, for his age. And I think he can only get better under Klopp. Yeah, absolutely. I want to touch on that in a minute, sort of what Jurgen Klopp might be able to get out of him. But from his early days at Ajax, I think he made over 100, he made 103 appearances for the first team there. And you mentioned how young he is there. That's a lot of football for somebody so young. And you also said you were surprised he moved to Bayern Munich and you felt like it might have been too soon. Even then, though, could you tell, like Ajax have lost a lot of their very young, you mentioned Frankie de Jong, they lose a lot of players to, to yeah. different European clubs. Could you tell he was destined for greatness and it was almost inevitable that that move somewhere would come eventually? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The The only thing is, do you go to the right club afterwards? I mean, look at examples. We have Donny van der Beek going to United, doesn't play. We have Ziyech that, you know, Tuchel comes, doesn't play. Uh, these are all wonderful players for Ajax that leave and then don't get chances in another club. So I think yeah. it's crucial for every player that leaves Ajax, be the most dominant player on your team before you leave. Because then you get to a certain uh you have a certain aura about you when you come to a new team, you have something to say and uh, you're experienced enough. I think Kraftberg could have led Ajax in the time uh, where we still we were rebuilding. He could have been our leader. He could have been playing all the games. He could have been the most important player for Ajax uh, rebuilding. And um, he could have gone to any other club where he would have been playing immediately and not set on the bench like like the plan Bayern Munich had for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's obviously why he's moved on again. He wasn't happy with his lack of football. In terms of his playing style, Papi, you mentioned a moment ago sort of what he offers and what he can bring to the pitch and what he did in his early days at Ajax, of course. I spoke with Ryan Babbel on Friday about him a little bit and he compared him to Paul Pogba. Can you see that? Can you see those comparisons? And if not, how would you describe his style? How would you describe his attributes? Um, well, there are similarities in the in his movement. <laughs> uh, he plays as an eight. I think Pogba is also an eight role player. Uh, I think both of them are very good on the ball. Uh, press resistant, uh, passing is great, uh, ball control and um, just not losing the ball. He has a dribble. So I think all those, yeah, it does remind me a little bit of Pogba. Um, uh, just with Pogba, I don't know his defensive part of the of the work, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I know Hrafberg lacked that a little bit when he was at Ajax. Um, but to be honest, I don't know what he learned in Bayern. I, I think he just evolved, even though he wasn't training. He was training with the best in the world. So I'm guessing mm -hmm. he, he must have picked up... Um, you know, better off the ball positioning, off the ball defending, etc. I think that's very important as well to to develop for him. But on the ball, his passing, his link up play, you're gonna enjoy that a lot from him. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, we touched on it off air that he isn't the defensive midfielder that many Liverpool fans were were crying out for. We all wanted to go and sign. We were linked with Caicedo, obviously. There was Lavia. There were different players. And a lot of people wanted us to go and get that defensive midfielder. Now, Gravenberch isn't that, is he? He played in a double pivot alongside Edson Alvarez, I think, at times at Ajax. So he has got defensive qualities, but would you say that is definitely the weaker part of his game? It it's not the weaker part of his yeah it is the weaker sorry it is the weaker part of his game but it's also not the his strengths like if with Den Haag for instance at Ajax when Frankie left what Grafberg had to do for the team was to drift left mm -hmm. and really deep to pick up the ball and from there begin the the build up and move to the attack and he was that that player that that bridged that gap for attack and defense for us and that was very important but also his dad came with an interview that it hurt Kravberg's game because he was too far up deep and he couldn't show his attacking prowess his his goal scoring abilities his assists you know things like that so I think that's mostly the reason he left Ajax he wasn't happy with the tactics and how he was being used but he has a lot of qualities that could help this Liverpool team 
I just don't know because I know you guys also signed a Japanese player. Yeah, Endo. Uh, is he also an eight or a six? Um, no, he's, guys, a six. Not... he's a six. He's a six. six. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So you could, I think he's going to be backup for Chago. Maybe mm -hmm. he's okay. going to be uh, playing in the same spot. And I think his passing was phenomenal. I saw today, I just went to see some comps of Rauberg getting into the excitement, you know, and I saw his passing at Bayern and his dribbling and the way he moves away from players. I think that's going to be a real asset for you guys to just get the control on the midfield, you know, and then uh, get the, how do you say, the pace of the game up yeah. for Klopp to play his game? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting and you're clearly excited by it as well. What What is it that makes you so excited? Is it the fact that one of Ajax's academy players is moving to Liverpool Football Club now? Is it the fact that he's going to work under Jurgen Klopp? And we know he's had a bad year at Bayern Munich. I wanted to ask you, before that, he was very much billed as like your, your Bellingham type, your Chiuameni type. He was in that bracket in terms of midfielder, very young, very talented, destined to be one of the best in the world. Is that how you saw it? And can he still go and achieve that? I don't think he's the best in the world. Could be. I, I, I think he's a good player and he will help others play better. Okay. And that's that's what I see of him. He's a really good utility player. I do see some weaknesses. I mean, you know, he's not a he doesn't have a great header. I do think he has to work on his off ball positioning and defending. Um but on the ball you're getting a great player and and that's the most important thing i think uh, for the club ball to to really get some um how do you say speed in the way you attack uh from from uh, defense to attack let's say Cheers, Pimento, and cheers to Dan Club for that one. Next up, Dan had David Segar. Segar? Segar? Whatever you want to call it. You can do whatever you want. Um, he is an Opta journalist. Uh, data, sorry, a data journalist for Opta. He's been studying Ryan Gravenberg's numbers for a long time now. So, yeah, here is the analyst's view on Ryan Gravenberg. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TV and your latest edition of Expert Insight. My name is Dan Club, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by data journalist for Opta, David Seagar. David, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, very good. Uh, thanks. The sun's out, and uh, Liverpool have won. So, uh, yeah, a very good start to the week. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot complain. It is nice and sunny today, which is not in line with what's been going on for the rest of the summer. Looks like we're going over them late summers again in September, doesn't it? And uh, the summer's been pretty good for Liverpool, I think it's fair to say. Capped off with the signing of Ryan Gravenberch, of course. And we're here to talk about that man because you did a brilliant piece just the back end of last week on Gravenberch and just what he could offer to Liverpool sort of what to expect from him and why he might be the man that we were looking for to finish the midfield rebuild. Now, it's interesting because the last time we spoke, we did a whole show on Liverpool's perfect defensive midfielder and who we should be going to get. And not once, I don't think, did we mention Gravenberg, nor did we mention Endo. So more for us, of course, but it's fascinating, the Gravenberg stuff, because I don't think anyone's quite sure where and how he does fit. So let's talk about it. Now, one of the first points I wanted to talk with you about from the piece, you referenced his time at Ajax playing in a double pivot alongside Eds and Alves, who now, of course, at West Ham. Do you think that is a potential option for him? And just how successful was he in that role at Ajax? Why was he so good there doing that? I think with that role next to obviously next to Alvarez, he had plenty of defensive cover with him, which I think helped. And I think that's why a lot of the mention of him being a six was was maybe a little misleading because he was he was playing he was a six in the sense that he was playing deep but he wasn't a defensive midfielder he was just that was just his starting position really but as I say it was next to Alvarez who very much was a defensive midfielder um, and of course at Ajax in the Eredivisie um, they're not as dominant as they used to be but they were still one of the best teams and so they didn't have to do all that much defending um, so there wasn't really much of Granberg, part of Granberg's game um, but in that role, he, he he excelled in that season. As I mentioned, the article, particularly in the Champions League, was was interesting because the previous year was his first ma major season with Ajax. He, he, made, he played about nine games a season before being slowly integrated into the team. But then Eric Ten Hag brought him in as a regular part of the team in the 2021 season. And that season he played mostly as an eight. He played a little bit uh, deeper, but mostly it was as an eight. And a lot of his stats that season were very impressive. But in particular, in the Champions League, they really weren't. Um, and that was the season Ajax were in the same group as Liverpool. Um, and they, I think they finished third. Mm -hmm. 
and went into the Europa League that year. And so it wasn't, yeah, I think it was a little bit of a real him realizing that that level is a bit higher than the Eredivisie and you need to uh, learn a bit from that. But yeah, the 21 um, 22 season, which was when he moved deeper to play next to Alvarez. Um, his numbers in the Eredivisie went down a little bit across the board, like his passing, uh, the number of passes he was making went down, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't getting as involved. I think it was possibly just the role had been had been changed slightly. His passing accuracy went up a bit, but in the Champions League, his passing accuracy went up a lot. Um, in the previous season, I think it had only been around just over 80%, but it went up to just below 90 the season after. Um, and Ajax won all six of their group games in the Champions League that year. I mean, they did have a slightly easier group. It must be said than the season uh, prior, but they, they, I think they still had Dortmund and Sporting in their group that year. So it wasn't a, wasn't a very easy one. Um, but yeah, his, his, his numbers went up quite a lot in that competition, which obviously you would think is maybe a bit more of a, a, a proving ground than, than the Eredivisie when, when you're talking about the top leagues. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I think Ten Hag was testing him a bit then because he'd seen obviously what he could do as an eight. And he had, I say, he had impressed that previous season, even if his passing wasn't quite as accurate. Obviously, he was making his passes higher up the pitch, so they were going to be more dangerous. So it was likely to be lower. But I think he was just trying to make him a, a, a more rounded player, and I think it worked, um, even if uh, his performances in the Bundesliga maybe didn't suggest as much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like I said, I think we're all we're all relatively excited about the Gravenberg signing because we've seen what he did at Ajax. We obviously caused him for a long time. Then Klopp's had his eye on him for. For a long period now, obviously makes his move to Bayern, doesn't work out. But positionally, it's probably more fascinating than anything else because, as you mentioned there, he wants probably wants to be, his preference would be as an eight and be a bit more advanced. And I think you mentioned in the, in the piece that even when he was at six, he was kind of drifting out to the left a little bit and trying to do a bit more of that type of stuff and be the, be the guy that he wants to be, I guess. Do you think he was at home in that role or do you think it didn't suit him? How would you describe it? I think there was, there was, I mean, again, it's difficult to, to judge because because it's Ajax and so that he was playing supposed to be playing as a deeper line midfielder but as you said that the touch touch zone map uh, I looked at for that season if you didn't know that he was supposed to be playing as a defensive midfielder you would or the deeper midfielder you would assume he was playing on very much an attacking eight on the left because his a lot of his touches were in that, those areas of the pitch mm. um, so I don't know if it was just a case of because he was still only 19 I think at the time so just that youthful exuberance of thinking I want to get forward because um, he is I think he definitely has an attack mind on him yeah, people will have seen from his YouTube clips that he loves a shot. Um, he's got a very good shot on him from long range, albeit his shots to goal ratio isn't brilliant. So I think people might need to get used to the odd um, shot from range, which doesn't uh, fly into the back of the net. But hopefully Klopp will uh, will keep that um, to a minimum, so he'll he'll pick and choose uh, pick and choose his moments. But yeah, I, th- I think as I said, with, with Ten Hag putting him into that role, I think was just to give him a better idea of of the all round job of a midfielder, and so the his insistence on getting forward. Obviously, there's a part of it that Ajax were just on the attack most of the time, so he's going to be in those positions. But I, I don't think that necessarily means he lacks discipline or anything. I think it was it was just a case of that's what the game called for, and he had a, an idea of of getting forward and and trying to con- contribute in that area. But I'm sure with with Klopp, um, I think we saw from his interview uh, or Klopp's interview um, after Gravenberg was signed, he made a point of saying that he's a box to box midfielder. Mm-hmm. So. I wrote when I wrote the article. It was with the idea of saying we really kind of it felt like we needed another six. Gravenberg doesn't really look like he's that, but is he? So let's have a look and see if he is. And then I looked and thought, well, there's some things that suggest he might be. And then as soon as we, he signed, Klopp basically said, yeah, I'm going to play him as an eight. So um, it's kind of threw it out the window a little bit, but it was still interesting to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do. I do still maintain certainly for the early part of his career at Liverpool, we'll see him using a ho- whole host of different roles. If you know, McAllister, of course, he played as the the deepest of the three yesterday at time of recording. So yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. And one comparison that that hasn't gone away really since he was sort of linked even a couple of weeks ago was the one with Gene Wijnaldum. And not just the Dutch thing. I think it goes a little bit beyond that. But I think it's his his usage and how Klopp can sort of make him into something different potentially. How he can mould him and you've dug a little bit deeper into that as well do you think there is a link there do you think the versatility and the intelligence of both footballers do you think there is a, a match and do you think we can do something different with Gravenberg that maybe nobody's done before yeah I think I think that's the exciting thing about Gravenberg is that it was, it was kind of the, the premise for the article as well is that he's effectively feels like he's a bit of a he's a bit of sort of clay that can be molded kind of player like he's being again not to not to generalize as you say about about Wijnaldum as well but 
Dutch players tend to sort of have really, really good fundamentals in every area. So it feels like you can kind of use them in different areas and and, and mold them to, to your various needs. And of course, coming through the Ajax Academy as well, he's, he was always going to be uh, have great technique and good game awareness and good um, just to have a sort of good eye, good good mind for the game. And I think with with Klopp being such a fan of his, trying to sign him last year, I think it shows that he wasn't looking at Gravenberg as like, I need this specific type of player to fill this specific role. I think he just looked at him and thought, he's a really good player. I'll just bring him in and figure out how I'm going to use him um, when I actually get him in. So I think that's the exciting thing about him is that we won't really know until, I mean, not even at the start, as you said, probably initially. In fact, I'm fairly certain initially he's going to play more often than not as an eight. But that doesn't mean that's where he's going to stay. So if he plays like that this season, that's not to say in two, three, four years' time he couldn't become more of a six or if the system changes again, um, that he could take up another different role. And I think the comparisons to Wijnaldum, as I said, the fact that they're both Dutch probably ties into the fact that Dutch players tend to, as I said, have really good fundamentals. And I think that's why there'll be that comparison between Gravenberg and and Wijnaldum. But I think it's also just because he's young, He's clearly got a good head on his shoulders, Klopp said in his interview as well, that he was very impressed by him when he spoke to him. Um, and I think that eagerness to learn, eagerness to develop, which again, I think we've seen from him being so willing to leave Bayern after just one year. It's not, it wasn't just a case. I think some people could look at it and say, oh, why did he just throw his toys out the pram? Because he wasn't getting regular games, a massive club in this first year. I think it was more a case of he knew for his development, he needs to play games and he needs to have a, a clearer idea of, his role in the squad and his role in the squad at Bayern, especially under Thomas Tuchel, was I'll play you for the last five minutes of games because I don't really rate you or have a role for you. And Tuchel said himself, like the, the role he feels Gravenberg is best in doesn't exist in his team, whereas Klopp believes it does in his. So I think it's, he just saw an opportunity to go to another big club where he's got a clearer role in the team and that's where he can develop. So I think if he has got that attitude of wanting to do whatever he can to develop as a player and under Jurgen Klopp, you would think he should. Uh, then, yeah, it, it it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be an eight for his whole career, but it should mean that uh, Klopp can get something out of him wherever he plays him. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the fact that he has moved away from Bayern should be looked at as a positive because he clearly was unhappy and he felt like his development suffered as a consequence of his lack of game time, as you mentioned. Nagelsmann signed him and I think the, the director, Sally Hamadich, who signed him and was part of the transfer, they've both left the club now. So he's probably looking at it going, the fellas that brought me here aren't here anymore. Like, what exactly is my role? And as you mentioned, I think Tuchel referenced the fact he's behind Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala in the pecking order and he's probably looking at that going, I don't even want to play in that position necessarily, so I don't quite know how that works. But yeah, I think the fact he's come to Liverpool looking to kickstart himself again is a massive, massive tick in the box, personally. Um, just more generally now, we've spoken about sort of positionally and what he could become or what he might be to begin with. But in terms of his strengths and sort of his obvious key attributes that are impressive, what have you noticed from him looking at his research and sort of doing the numbers? What areas does he really stand out in? I mean, he's very keen to get on the ball. Um, again, that was something that really stood out in his in his first full year at, at Ajax, or his first proper year at Ajax, which was the 2021 season, was considering he was 18 at the time. He was playing regularly for them, but he was uh, attempting, I think it was just, just over 75 passes per 90 minutes, which last year, if you compare that to Liverpool's midfield, the only midfielder who was even getting close to that was Thiago. I wouldn't say getting close to it, he had more, but Thiago was uh, averaging just shy of 78 but the next was, I think, Henderson with with 67. And then after that, it was Fabinho with 61. So Gravenberg was was getting on the ball a lot. He was wanting the ball, attempting passes. His pass success rate say, that season was only around 82%, but I said that was would have been further up the pitch, so would have been in, in tighter areas of the of the pitch. And probably, again, being young, maybe he was trying passes he, he, that were a bit too optimistic. But um, in terms of his, his, his forward passes as well, I think that's going to be a key at Liverpool is not just obviously getting on the ball and moving it, but not wanting to be one of these midfielders who gets on the ball and is just passing it backwards, passing it back to the defence, giving the, having the easy balls. Um, he's averaged, I think it's just shy of a third of his passes are forward, which is about right for a midfielder um, at, the, at the top level. And again, Liverpool's midfield, that's around the same again of, of what, of, of how the, of their average from last season. Um, so I think at that, at that young age, for him to be so confident to, to want the ball and to attempt as many passes as he did, um, bodes well. Uh, and as, as I said in the article, the, the Bundesliga season, you can't really 
put too much um, faith in the numbers there because obviously it was so sporadic. His appearances coming off the bench for the last five, 10 minutes of games that were probably already won most of the time. Um, but in terms of his uh, passing numbers, as I said, in his second uh, season at Ajax, they went up quite a bit. So he was clearly learning a lot in terms of how to how to keep hold of the ball um, in his passing game. Also dribbling. Um, he loves a dribble, really, really loves a dribble, um, which... I'm not certain how much chance he'll get to do it. Obviously, in the Premier League, you feel like midfields are a bit more congested. Mm-hmm. Uh, he perhaps had a bit more space in the Eredivisie and even in, in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, last season, he's still, even in spite of, I said, you would think he'd have a lack of confidence because of his lack of game time. But he attempted, I think it was around 3.8 dribbles per 90 when he was on, which is ridiculous for a centre midfielder. No other uh, Bayern midfielder averaged more than, or even averaged one per 90. So um Probably the likes of Kimmich and, and Goretzka and Sabitz just weren't trying them. Like maybe that's not their game. But Gravenberg got on the ball. He was turning and wanting to run at the opposition, which you could argue maybe that's something Klopp wanted as well because that's something Romeo Lavia is very good at. Um, and obviously we were targeting him earlier this summer. And so potentially that's something he wants from his midfielders is, is to get on the ball and actually try and open up that space by attempting dribbles. Um, one area, as I said, as I mentioned in the in the article that he potentially could be better at. And I don't know, I think this probably lends itself to the fact that he attempts so many dribbles is that he does also lose possession more often than you'd like, um, which obviously it's been a bit of a problem in our midfield is midfielders losing possession and then all of a sudden we could can, we can be opened up. So that's something he's going to have to look out for. And, and I think potentially if we, if we maybe don't see him starting games straight away, that's possibly something that Klopp's going to be working with him on the training field. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, he'll, he'll be aware of that. Klopp will be aware of that. The club will be aware of all of his numbers. So anything like that, I'm sure they'll look to uh, try and train out. Cheers to David and to Dan for that one. Yes, well, there you go. That is this week's Red Men Weekly tied up with a nice bow on it. Like I say, redmenplus.com is the place to go if you want to watch or listen to those shows in full. And like I say, if you're on Spotify and you fancy signing up directly and wanting to listen to it in Spotify, simply search Red Men Plus Podcast and you can sign up through them separately. Pay them and you'll get all these things in your Spotify feed as well. Basically, we can't put the Redmen stuff directly onto Spotify, but if you pay through them, we can. It's it's awkward, but effectively, if you're on Spotify, search for it on there, pay them, and you'll get the access to them in full. Right then, that is us. Hope you guys have an enjoyable weekend. Obviously, no Liverpool action this weekend. A little bit of a break as the internationals play, but we'll be back next week with even more content as we build up to Wolves versus Liverpool and plenty of other stuff. We'll see you all then. See you in a bit. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 